You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome to your Canadians Connection on Rocket Sports Radio. This premier hockey podcast featured on allhabs.net brings you the latest news, in-depth analysis, and expert commentary about the NHL's most storied franchise, the Montreal Canadiens, hosted by Rick Stevens with Amy Johnson and Chris G. Our team of credentialed journalists provides behind-the-scenes insight on the Canadians, designed to inform, entertain, and engage Habs fans around the globe. We are proud to be the trusted source for all things Habs for more than a decade. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast. All right, hi everybody. Welcome to the Canadians Connection podcast. It's episode 171 here on Rocket Sports Radio, keeping you informed, engaged, and uh, entertained. My name is Chris G, and I'll be your host today. Today is Friday, December 31st, a special New York, New New York, New Year's Eve edition of uh, the the podcast. And I'm pleased to be joined in the studio by my co-host, the editor in chief the founder and the president of uh, Rocket Sports. It's Rick Stevens. How are you doing, Rick? I thought you were going to start singing New York, New York there. That would have been pretty good. Maybe I'm thinking of the of the, the Times Square at midnight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it is our New Year's Eve uh, show. Maybe you're listening on New Year's Eve. Maybe you're listening on New Year's Day. We welcome you to the Canadians Connection. And uh, New Year's Eve, of course, is the anniversary of... Uh, well, it was 46 years ago, back in 1975, what has been called uh, one of the greatest games ever to be played at the Montreal Forum, and that was the Central Red Army versus the Montreal Canadiens uh, that ended in a 3-3 tie. Uh, Trechak was Trechak versus Dryden, and, and Trechak was unbelievable, 16 saves in the third period. And, and uh, yeah, and we remember that game, or some of us remember that game, um, as we as we look at some different games, a uh, different level of competition for the Montreal Canadiens these days. And, and just like like just taking a step back and thinking of 2021 from a Canadian's perspective, like what a year it's been for them, like a, a roller coaster of a year. Like uh, over mm-hmm. the summer with the Canadiens playoff run, when like things were at a high, like everything. They brought us moments that uh, that Habs fans haven't gone through like in the last 30 years in the Stanley Cup final run, and then well, for the second half of the year, it's where we are today, which isn't uh, which is a complete opposite, I think, the complete the the end of the roller coaster, uh, not on the good side for the Canadians. Can only go up, right? Yeah, because I, I, it can't get much lower than it is right now. <laughs> that's for sure. Now, coming up in today's episode, well, we're going to talk about roster moves, and there's lots, lots, and lots of um, 
roster moves to talk about since uh, last week's episode. And in our big topic segment, we're going to talk about the new search for the new general manager will reportedly begin next week. And the search committee has made a list of eight candidates. We'll, we'll, we'll name you those eight candidates and we'll review the list and provide our comments in our big topic segments. And let's start off, and there's a lot more coming up in uh, today's episode as well. And one thing that you weren't able to discuss with Amy last week, Rick, was there was actually some games played this week for That's the Canadians. Yeah. Uh, and just a, a, a quick reminder that you could check out comprehensive previews and post-game reviews for every Canadians game over at allhabs.net. The Canadians played twice, started off on Tuesday in Tampa Bay, the Canadians lost in overtime 5-4. to four. Uh, The Canadians had a 4-3 lead with 20 seconds remaining in the third period when Corey Perry, who else, scored a tying goal. And in overtime, uh, Palat scored the, the winner to give Tampa Bay the 5-4 victory. And in that loss, Samuel Montebo, he had a good start, made the 32 saves in uh, in that one. And that's just um, uh, Corey Perry and the Palat overtime goal was the same recipe when uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning beat the Canadians earlier in the year with mm-hmm. was under two minutes to go in, in that game. So we just saw a repeat um, in that game. And then on Thursday, uh, the Carolina Hurricanes, they scored three times in a power play and they scored once shorthanded on their way to blank the Canadians 4 to nothing in Carolina. And it was the fourth time this season that Montreal was uh, shut out. And through... 33 games, the Canadians have seven wins. Seven wins and 26 losses. And, well, doesn't even if you haven't checked the standings, check them from the bottom of the list and you'll be able to see that the Canadians, they're, they're near the top if you, look at, if you look at the standings from the bottom, the 31st right now in the, um, in the league. So not a, not a good way to end the year for the Canadians. And Arizona, I think the last time I checked, had three games in hand. So uh, there's a possibility, although Arizona isn't playing that well. Um, yeah, it's it's tough. It's it's really tough that the, the Canadians uh, weren't playing that well when they're healthy. They're not healthy um, now, uh, both uh, from injuries and uh, from the the COVID, which we're assuming the the Omicron variant has hit the team hard, we'll talk about that in a minute. But um, you know, there there was some good individual performances um, th- in the two games uh, that we saw. There was uh, there was a lot of firsts. Uh, Raphael Harvey Pinard with with his the scored his his first NHL goal in his first NHL game. Um, Corey Schooneman uh, got his first point. Uh, David Savard, his first goal as a Canadian. Uh, Cedric Paquette uh, got his first point. Uh, Lucas Vedemo got his first goal of the year. So uh, some some individual um, uh, you know performances that we can that were notable. Uh, but but yeah, it it the the picture doesn't get any rosier for the Montreal Canadiens. But if a rebuild for the Canadiens looks uh, like uh, Tuesday's game, where because Tuesday's game was, I found it was entertaining. It was there was a lot of action back and forth. Even though the Canadiens came on a losing end, mm-hmm. I think if if a rebuild would look like the way the Tuesday night's game looked in Tampa Bay, I think everybody would be on board for that. Because I think even as a Habs fan, the way the Canadiens played that night, it was an entertaining game 
for uh, to watch the Canadians play. Thursday's game against Carolina, different story, but uh, for sure Tampa Bay game was uh, was a good one. And and even that David Savard goal, the way he he had to duck and and uh, avoid colliding with uh, Jesse Alonin on that play to score that goal it was quite uh, it was quite a nice goal that David Savard scored in that one. Absolutely, on that yeah. And as you said, it was it was quite an entertaining game. Um, unfortunately, the it was like it went by the script that uh, it ended the same as the December seventh contest against uh, the Lightning. Okay, Canadians don't need the points right now in the standing, so it's, it doesn't matter. They got one. It was probably one too many for the Canadians, but that's okay. Uh, so you met, you did mention like the Canadians' COVID list, and while the list is pretty long for the Canadians, there's a total of, what, 14 players and goalie coach Eric Raymond, who is uh, currently on the NHL's COVID protocol list. But the latest additions were uh, ahead of the game against Carolina, Louis Belpedio and uh, Johnny Fairbrother. Right to the list, and then before the practice today, it was announced that uh, Brandon Baddock, who, like you mentioned, played his first game in the NHL, he was added to the COVID protocol list, and and if if we take a look at the list, so mention Fairbrother, there's Louis Belpedio, there's Paul Byron, Caden uh, Primo, Chris Weidman, Jeff Petrie, Joel Edmondson, Ben Sharot, Jake Allen, Mike Hoffman. Laurent Dauphin, uh, Tyler Toffoli somehow sneaked in there over the holidays, but Canadians have forgotten to tell us. Uh, and then there's also Arturi Lekonen, who is, I guess, technically out of the COVID protocol, but uh, still not ready to, to play. They ha- he will have to go through uh, skating and practicing with the team, just like uh, Brent Gallagher and uh, Sam Nico had to do before they were ready to uh, return. So that's quite the long list, and most likely... Tyler Toffoli is likely out of it. I think it's been over two weeks that he's been on it. And Lorando Fan Mike Hoffman should be out of it uh, early, early next week. So quite, uh, quite a list there. Well, and it's interesting that it includes players like Joel Edmondson that we haven't seen yet, uh, who are, who when they come out of COVID protocol are still will be on the injury list. So um, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a, a devastating list. Um, I found it curious that um, it was earlier in the week, I guess, it was uh, Dom Ducharme said that uh, they had determined, or at least they, they had uh, uh, reason to believe that there was no um, spread in the locker room, that it was all coming from outside. I find that really, uh, maybe that was their early uh, idea, but uh, that has to be tossed out the window now because obviously it's being spread uh, through the the Canadians uh, organization and you have uh, Laval players, you have uh, um, uh, Canadians players uh, and uh, it's it's quite a a substantial list. And another... Uh, roster uh, roster news. Well, I think, we, like you mentioned earlier, uh, Rick, uh, Rafael Harvey Pinard, Corey Schulman, they made their debut against Tampa Bay Lightning. Harvey Pinard got his first goal in that game, and it was assisted by Corey Schulman, so he got his first NHL point in that game. And then in the game against Carolina, Brandon Baddock made his NHL debut, and I guess he got his first uh, hit in the <laughs> NHL in, uh, in uh, that game. Didn't play much, he could play like about eight and a half minutes. And he was chirping. He was trying to get his first fight, but it it uh, the, the uh, it didn't really happen. 
Yeah, and then he he found out relatively late. He found out he said uh, the official word ten to fifteen minutes after warm-ups began, when uh, Jonathan Drouin, uh wasn't feeling well and decided that uh, he won't be able to play. So he so Drouin was pulled out and replaced. Uh, Brandon Baddock got uh, got the call to uh, to play on uh, against Carolina. We we should just say with respect to Jonathan Duran that uh, he was tested and at least yesterday the tests the the rapid test came back uh, negative. Uh, so they're for now they're calling it a non COVID uh, illness. Um, as as you said, uh, Dom Ducharme um, just said he didn't have the energy to go. And uh, so he took the warm up, but but pulled after warm ups, and and then uh, Baddock. Uh, I'm I'm sure he was happy to get the news whenever he got it to play his very first NHL game. Yeah, and and it appears like Dwayne did practice. Dwayne did practice on Friday as well. He he hit the ice, so pretty pretty much, I guess, uh, confirms that it wasn't COVID, at least mm-hmm. not uh, not for now. Uh, in other news, like involving the Montreal Canadiens, already this week, the NHL announced that due to current attendance restrictions in uh, some Canadian cities, uh, there were nine additional games that will be rescheduled for dates later in the season when the restrictions uh, would be eased or lifted. Five of those games were games involving the Montreal Canadiens. So... All essentially, all the Canadians. Uh, sorry, not all. I should say the first half of the Canadians games in January have been rescheduled, or will be rescheduled, and the January 12th home game against the Canadians and the Bruins uh, will be played in uh, Boston. So it's actually a game in Boston from March 21st that has become the uh, January 12th game between the Canadians and uh, the Bruins. And with the restrictions that were announced by the uh, Quebec provincial government on uh, yesterday, on Thursday, I, I suspect that more Canadians' home games uh, will be rescheduled and likely some other home games in the rest of the country will likely get rescheduled by uh, by the league. It's um, The Canadians uh, are said to pull in about $2.3 million in revenue per game. So they were uh, concerned about that lost revenue in January with the provincial government restrictions on uh, fan attendance. Um, so those games will likely be scheduled. The, the, the three-week Olympic window um, that the league has set up is, is likely when those games will be rescheduled too. Uh, but we'll see. Um, the the Canadian each team was supposed to reserve uh, that uh, for their buildings. Supposed to reserve that Olympic uh, time. Um, the Canadians didn't. Uh, the Bell Center is booked for concerts. Uh, the Offspring, Billy Eilish, uh, um, Eilish, uh, Imagine Dragons, Elton John's in for a couple of nights. Uh, so it's going to be a trick for the NHL schedule maker to try and reschedule those games in February. Some of them may uh, may get spilled otherwise, but uh, Bill Daly has said that they are not um, going to be extending the season this year. Yeah, and and it also depends uh, specifically for the Canadians what the regulations are because if they're still reduced capacity in the building, 
will those concerts even take place at the Bell Center? That's right. Like, will those artists, well, like, I don't think they'll, they'll travel to Montreal to sing to themselves <laughs> in the in an empty arena, which I guess would be cool if it was them, but who knows. <laughs> Uh, other changes that were announced by uh, the league uh, earlier this week was that uh, they agreed to temporary changes to the collective bargaining agreement that allowed for a taxi squad to uh, to be joined to each team. Uh, contrary to what it was last year, last season, the taxi squad was mandatory with a minimum of four players and a maximum of six players. Uh, this season, uh, there's no minimum, and, there's, and the, the maximum is six uh, as well. And, Rick, I think it was needed for, with a number of COVID cases that we're seeing like across the league. And even if we look at the Canadian-specific situation, when the taxi squad was allowed, Canadians filled it up with six names. And as of right now, the only one... That's remaining the taxi squad is Cam Hillis. Everybody else has been used or been placed on the COVID list. So at least, at least it was one step that uh, an additional step that the league added to get uh, the rosters completed. Because we also saw some teams that weren't even playing with a complete roster because of no players that were available. No, you're absolutely right. Uh, that initial taxi squad uh, that the Canadians uh, had. Uh, as you said, Cam Hill is the only one left. Um, Johnny Fairbrother brother and uh, Louis Belpedo were, were originally on that list, but you mentioned their names earlier on the COVID list. Brandon Baddock was in the game last night, or at least Thursday night, but is uh, now on the COVID list. And Michael McNiven um, was uh, the backup for uh, the game against Carolina because Caden Primo was placed on the COVID list. So that that uh, taxi squad has been gobbled up. We'll see what the Canadians do with that if um, they add other players or, or, or what exactly happens. And we'll see even uh, if the game um, uh, on Saturday will on New Year's Day will go ahead. Uh, we're assuming it will. Uh, but uh, it's it's uh, everything is happening. You know, it, it, it's hard to predict what's going to be happening this year. Yeah, and and if Brendan Gallagher isn't playing tomorrow, and Brandon Baddock is on the the COVID list, it means that Cam Hillis will likely make his NHL debut tomorrow if the game is played. So so Cam Hillis started the season in Trois Rivières made it to Laval and potentially could make his NHL debut uh, tomorrow, which is uh, which is crazy. Another change also that the league uh, did make was with the with the COVID protocol where it was where it would be permitted players can leave sooner than uh, they would change it down to five days if I'm not mistaken if it is permitted by the local authorities. So we, we saw that an example yesterday with Carolina. There was one of their players, and their name his name escapes me right now, who was on a COVID list for, for five days, asymptomatic, and was allowed to um, to play. And, well, it's given at least Canadian teams some disadvantage, I guess, I would say, when it comes to having players available to play from the COVID list. And, and it's even being reported that in BC, they're looking at reducing the um the isolation period to five days from ten days as well so that's that's another fluid situation that uh you know to to uh, keep our eyes on uh, let's move on now rick and let's talk about the the habs prospect report 
This edition of the Rocket Report is brought to you by AHL.Report, your premier source for the Laval Rocket, the AHL affiliate of the Montreal Canadiens. AHL.Report is a proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. Well, the, the Laval Rocket, the game recap, it will resemble what the Canadiens game recap was in last week's episode because there was no games on the schedule for the La Rocket. They were scheduled to face the Syracuse Crunch on December 29th, but that game got postponed because of uh, COVID protocols affecting the, the Syracuse Crunch. But the funny thing is, the day before, it seemed like all of the La Rocket were in Tampa Bay to face the Tampa Bay Lightning, and the Lightning had a lot of their players Unavailable, so a lot of the Syracuse Crunch players were playing in Tampa. So technically, it feels like the game was advanced and played <laughs> at a higher level between those uh, those two teams. The next game on the schedule for Laval Rocket is scheduled for Wednesday, January fifth in Laval. The Spring Springfield is scheduled to visit Place Bell. Will that game be played in front of an empty building? I seriously have my doubts it will be played, but at least for now it is on the schedule, and that's another whole uh, situation involving the AHL and COVID protocols, and I know that's one of the topics that uh, yourself and Amy and Patrick spoke about in the, on the last episode of the Press Zone as well. That's right. Uh, also, like in, if we... Quick look at uh, the Trois-Rivières Lions as well. Like They announced on the Thursday as well that all their home games in January have been postponed and uh, all rescheduled for later in the, the season once uh, they hope that they could get fans into uh, the building as well. But the Lions are on the road this weekend. They're facing Mar- the, Mar- the main Mariners uh, on Friday today and then they're facing Adirondack on uh, Sunday but they have a bunch of players on the their COVID protocol as well. Uh, another news earlier this week, the 2022 Road Junior Championship was cancelled due to the ongoing spread of uh, COVID-19. Uh, we'll have more on the Junior Championship in uh, segment three. But Rick, there was four cases that uh, it already started some games getting forfeited. Those were rules that were that were put in place by the IHF heading into the the, the, the tournament. But then it, it appeared the day after the, the cancellation was announced that there was more cases that appeared. There was cases also with the with the officials. So it seemed Rick, like this this was inevitable for the tournament. That's right. There was um, reported the next day that there was cases with Canada, Slovakia, uh, the on-ice officials with, with some coaching staff. So it seemed like it was uh, spreading beyond a point where they could, um, uh, where, where the integrity of the game was infected, and they went ahead and, and uh, uh, they, they called it a cancellation. Now there's some talk that uh, they may uh, try to rerun the, the, uh, the tournament in the summer. I don't know if that will, will take place or not, but uh, very sad. Um, uh, the, the competition only really got underway, uh, and then was canceled. Some, uh, good efforts. We, we know that there was three, uh, Montreal Canadiens prospects, um, in Caden Gooley, uh, Jan Meshack and Oliver Kapanen. Um, and, uh, 
the, we'll, we'll leave it to uh, the third segment when uh, Mike Raschel, who follows junior hockey quite closely, joins uh, Michael Spinella, and, and the two of them discuss uh, the, the Canadians' prospects. They discuss some other prospects uh, who are draft eligible and, uh, and how it all ties into the Montreal Canadiens, that coming up in our third segment. Yeah, and, and if they rerun this tournament in in the, the summer, like I wonder if they'll make it into a closed bubble this time, like they did last yeah, year, instead of the right. open bubble that they did. Another uh, Canadian prospect news: the the OHL they announced that they reinstated London Knights defenseman Logan Mayu after serving a, a 26 game suspension. So just a reminder: like uh, Logan Mayu was drafted by the Canadians in the first round. And he was suspended indefinitely by the OHL. Uh, they wanted to evaluate his progression and the steps that he's taken since returning. And the OHL decided that they're they're satisfied with the steps that he's taken, and they they reinstated him, and he would be eligible to play as of January first, so as of uh, Saturday, of um, of this week. And and one thing, Rick, that I noticed is that um, it's still a very polarizing topic around the Canadian's fan base, Logan, uh, Logan Mayu. And regardless of what side of the fence you stand on, you're, it's still a very polarizing topic. Like it, it had died out because his name was out of the news cycle, but as soon as this news came back in, it's, uh, it's still a very polarizing topic, that uh, Logan Canadian's first-round draft pick. I'm very curious to see what's going what's gonna to happen in the future with him. Yeah, me too. And, um, you know, without getting too deep in it, um, I'll just say that uh, Logan Mayu has satisfied uh, the courts. He, 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 um, he, he made restitution according to uh, the law and, uh, and he um, suffered further, further punishment uh, by the league. Um, and, and by the Montreal Canadiens not being invited to, to camp. Um, I don't, I don't know, uh, what's going to be enough for some, probably, you know, uh, uh, you know, n- nothing would be enough for, for some people. Uh, but I, I hope that, uh, he gets an opportunity to, um, uh, you know, to, to show what, what he can and, and, and prove, uh, uh, his character and prove that he's changed. He seems to have satisfied the OHL and the Montreal Canadiens who had set up steps for him. I think there's still more steps in that process and, and we'll see what happens uh, as he returns to play in the new year. And I know like, I, I don't like, uh, I'm not going to sit here and say like, I'm very knowledgeable on, on like the, the world junior championships and the prospects. So that's where we're going to leave the, the two mics, talk about it in the, in the, in the, in the third segment. But even some things that I was that I was reading and they were saying that Logan Mayu potentially would have had like in terms of uh, hockey like uh, on the ice that he could have had a chance to be part of Team Canada in the World Junior Championships as well mm-hmm. uh, so I'm like I'm not sure how, how true that is but if that's the case well that's another thing that he he, would have, he missed out because of the uh, I guess as punishment as you mentioned uh, a couple of seconds ago uh, so just a reminder, be sure to read all the content at ahl.report and listen to subscribe to the Press Zone podcast, which is hosted by uh, Rick Stevens and Amy Johnson, which gets published uh, every Tuesday. And Rick and Amy keep us up to date on everything going on with the prospects of the Montreal Canadiens. 
Uh, let's move on now to our next topic. So there's, we, we kind of touched upon it a little bit earlier in our, uh, in the segment. There's been a lot of questions asked to a lot of players, to the coaches, like the Montreal Canadiens, whether or not these games should be played. So we mentioned that there's a there's a chance that Cam Hillis, who started the season in the ECHL, can make his Canadiens debut tomorrow against the uh, the Florida Panthers. The Canadiens lineup is depleted. I think uh, when I saw yesterday somebody posted on uh, social media that Canadiens uh, cap hit of the roster last night was just a little bit over twenty million dollars, which is a third of what the the league minimum is. And and if you remove the, Brendan Gallagher from that, right? I so think it's, it's around eighteen. Yeah, yeah, and and we know for sure that if it was a preseason game. Like the the roster that Canadians iced against Tampa Bay and the roster that they iced against Carolina Hurricanes wouldn't be good enough because they didn't have the minimum requirements that the league puts in to make sure that the fans who go to the games and pay for the tickets, I guess, are respected that they don't get uh, that they get some kind of competitive hockey. So the Canadians lineup for the last two games did not meet that requirement. Uh, before we expand on that, uh, Rick, let's listen from Nick Suzuki, who who had something to say about that. You're playing in the NHL. It's not a bad uh, lifestyle at all. And uh, we just have to do our best, play our best. And uh, like I said, I thought we all worked hard. Um, just they got a good team over there and um, just didn't uh, put the puck in the net. So each player, as they came to the podium last night, uh, or or it was a Zoom, um, the the post game uh, conferences are now uh, done by Zoom with the media, and uh, as as each one of them um, was ready, they were all asked, uh, "What about the integrity of the game? What do you think should should uh, the Montreal Canadiens team uh, games be canceled because of the 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 team outbreak?" Um, and uh, they each had their own different take on it, including uh, Coach Dom Ducharme. And we'll, we'll go through the different ones. But I thought that that uh, Nick Suzuki kind of um, encapsulated it. Um, Nick Suzuki is looked at as potential captain of, of the Montreal Canadiens, and he brought kind of a down-to-earth view saying that, uh, listen, um, you know, it, this this isn't this this isn't a bad gig. Uh, we play hockey for a living, and uh, uh, it's 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 not bad. All we have to do, all that's in our control, is for us to go out and and do our best. And they scored uh, more than we did. We couldn't put the puck in the net, and that's how hockey uh, determines a result. I thought it was kind of a smart uh, uh, comment, rather than getting into all the ins and outs of of whether uh, games should be played or not. That's not a hockey player's business. Uh, that's at a different level. And I thought Nick Suzuki was smart to answer it the way he did. It was, and, and other players' like reaction, like a lot of them, like, like Jake Evans said, you know, it's not up to me, it's for the people above us. Uh, Dominic Ducharme, he was asked several times this week. I think every day he, he was asked at least once about uh, about that, and his answers were relatively always the same, that it's, you know, I'm preparing, we're going to have 20 players on the ice, we're going to play the game. 
until we're told otherwise, um, etc. Uh, Cedric Paquette was, uh, <laughs> he was probably the one that was the most, uh, who, who gave a, a different response than everybody else, who said that it's, he felt that it's starting to get hard and and he he mentioned that the, he, he did start to wonder if he'll get COVID next. So he kind of provided like a different response to everybody else. But for sure, it's it's concerning. But I also feel for the fans who are paying regular prices to go to these games in any arena, not just the Canadians. And they're getting like the... <laughs> With no disrespect to the players, for the Canadians, I think we're down to like the C squad that they're that they're they're getting. So I'm not sure if it's fair to the fans uh, as well, the the paying fans who go to the arenas, uh, buy the seats, buy the merchandise, buy the food, to watch the quality of the of uh, the games of the rosters that they're that they're getting. But the NHL, Rick, they're 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 stubborn. They're gonna get all these games in, all 82 games. They're gonna they're gonna chip through it. They're gonna use it instead of three weeks in February. They're gonna do everything that they can to get all these two 82 games because it's it's a big business. The hockey, a lot of money involved. So they're gonna do everything they can to get all 82 games in for every team. Yeah, and I think um, there is question about paying premium dollars for fans to do that, to seeing a much lower level of, of competition. And on the Press Zone podcast earlier this week, I said, I, I compared, it's like paying uh, top dollar to see your uh, your favorite super group, your, uh, and, and um, you know, a cover band shows up. Um, it's, and, and again, we're, uh, there's no disrespect, uh, to the Brandon Baddocks or Cam Hillis, uh, it, it was, uh, uh, taking Brandon Baddocks place, uh, today on, um, uh, in practice, uh, on the fourth line, no res- disrespect to any of those, uh, players, uh, at all. Um, but it's not the level of competition, um, that, um, that we can expect. And you, you, you have to wonder, you know, the, the Carolina Hurricanes uh, maybe uh, were fortunate en- enough to play against the Montreal Canadiens, uh, play against a depleted lineup. And you've got to think about uh, the teams who are competing with the Carolina Hurricanes uh, near the top of the league and thinking, you know, that's not fair. <laughs> it's not, it's not fair. They should have to play a, an NHL uh, team to get their two points. Um, and it, it was Cedric Paquette. Uh, I'll read his, his quote. Uh, we don't want to whine about it, but for sure we're all asking questions. We don't know how many injuries or COVID cases it will take for the games to stop. We come to the rink to do our job. We can, we control what we can control, but it's really not easy. And it's, it's, a, it's a reasonable question to ask, you know, how many, how many players is it going to take? We've seen other teams, uh, their, their games have been canceled uh, for far fewer uh, players being out of the lineup. My, my, my real hunch here is that if, if the Montreal Canadiens wanted these games to be uh, postponed, they would be. Um, but we know that, 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 you know, right now the Canadians, um, and as you said, right off the top, Canadians aren't, um, aren't really invested in winning games right now. It doesn't hurt their, their situation to be losing games. Um, and you know, Bill Daly said this week, 
um, the decision to, to decide to postpone a game or not really depends on whether we can reschedule that game. And you said earlier, the, the Montreal Canadiens have five games rescheduled already in January. Um, and they're with limited space uh, in February to reschedule those games. Is there space available? Should they start, uh, you know, uh, canceling games now at the end of December to add to that list? Is it possible? Uh, and I think all of that is coming into it. And the Canadians have said, listen, right now, uh, canceling these games because we have a bad lineup isn't a priority. Yeah, it's, and it also allows, like, if the Canadians are going to go through, like, a rebuild, like like we're expecting to go, it allows uh, Jeff Gordon, it allows them to see how does, like, a Jesse Lonin look in the NHL, yeah. how does a Cole Coffee look in the NHL, how does uh, Ryan Payne look like in the NHL, et cetera, and, and it helps with evaluation. So they're still... Like the Canadians still get something out of it. It's not the wins. It's not. It's they're not benefiting from the, the standings, from playing these games. But there's there's still uh, there's still some benefit to it. And I was going through the the Canadians' um, uh, organizational depth chart, and I, if I'm not mistaken, there's only one player left the Canadians can call up. I know, like uh, <laughs> JS Day, like I and. Before uh, the game against Carolina, Ducharme was asked, "Will there be any players recalled for the game against Florida?" And he was, and Ducharme said, "We'll take a look at it after the game." And JSD is the only option, unless the Canadians, you know, go out and sign a player. If they, uh, yeah. Just you know, just explain it, explain that, Chris, because some listeners may not understand. There's 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 lots of players in Laval. Uh, but the Canadians can't call up everybody. And just explain why. Yeah, because they don't have NHL contracts. So the Canadians, so a player to be eligible to be called up, they have to have either like an NHL contract or a two-way AHL NHL contract, just like uh, uh, like GSD has one. Like Xavier Ouellette is injured, but he, he is another player who has like a, an AHL NHL contract as as well. So there's there's nobody else left healthy like the other players like um, Josh Brooks is left. Oh, Josh Brook is injured. He's injured, yeah. As well, so he's not available as well. Like the um, I don't know, like even in goal, for example, like now with Caden Primo, who's on the protocol list, Jake Allen is out, COVID, etc. If McNevin or Montebo get either on a code protocol or injured, Canes have another goal they could call up. They can't call up Kevin Poulet because he has an AHL contract. Unless, you know, the workaround is to sign him to a contract uh, just to be able to to call him up. But then there's also Canes have another uh, limit to work with is that they're limited to 50 contracts in the organization. Right. So it's, uh, it's, it's quite... The, the the headache and I'm wondering if it's if if the, that's a condition as well that's going to come into consideration for the league when it comes to postponing or canceling games. If let's say, you no know, knock on wood, uh, Montebo or Beckniven get COVID or they get hurt and Canadians don't have a second goalie and they have nobody to call up, well maybe in that situation the league will say okay we have to postpone this game because there's they possibly there's no body available to back up uh to, to to put on the pads for the Canadians in the bench. So it's quite 
it's quite interesting situation what's going on now. It's something that hopefully we'll, we won't see again any other season besides this year. But yeah, it's mm-hmm. very, very interesting. All right, let's take our first break here on the Canadians Connection podcast. Coming up next in our big topic segment, we're going to review the list of eight candidates that the Canadians will meet in search of their new general manager. But first, a word from our sponsor, DraftKings. Stay with us. This is the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. Hockey fans, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has a no-brainer offer that'll make you a winner once any shot gets past the goalie. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores. The NHL got rid of ties in 2005, so you know someone's going to light the lamp. If Sportsbook, however, isn't available in your state yet, no worries. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Throw down a dollar on any NHL game and win a hundred in free bets if either team scores a goal. That's promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, welcome back to Canadian Connection Podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. I'm Chris G, and you can find me on Twitter at ChrisHabs360. And with me in studio is the president and founder of Rocket Sports, Rick Stevens. You can follow him at AllHabs on Twitter. And also you can follow the Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And visit our website at CanadiansConnection.com. And also don't forget to subscribe to the Canadian Connection Podcast in your favorite, on your favorite player, I should say. And uh, don't forget to... Uh, Rate the podcast and leave a comment uh, as well. Earlier this week, Renaud Lavoie from TVA Sport, he leaked a list of candidates who will be uh, interviewed next week by the selection committee for the position of general manager. Uh, the list includes its eight names, Patrick Croix, Danny Briere, Mathieu Darche, Marc Denis, Kent Hughes, Stéphane Quintal, Daniel Sauvageau, and Emily Castonguay. So we could be 99% sure that the next GM will be in one of those eight names. And then for the other 1%, there's a there's an open door which says two other candidates may be added to the list. So that's that way. Regardless of what happens, Renault will be right. On, uh, with yeah, <laughs> and 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 let's say it's not uh, it's not some you know uh, scoop uh, investigative work by uh, Renault Lavoie. The names were leaked to him. The Canadians want this out. They want the candidates known. They want the fact that uh, there are uh, French speaking candidates on the list. There are um, a women on the list. They want all of that out. Um, so they the Canadians themselves leaked this list to Renault Lavoie. 
And uh, just a reminder that the selection committee is comprised of four individuals, Jeff Molson, the owner and uh, president of Hockey Operations of the Montreal Canadiens, uh, Jeff Corton, uh, another uh, part owner, Michael Andelauer, and uh, former Montreal Canadiens player and general manager, Bob Ganey, is the list of the selection uh, committee. So it will be those four individuals that will st- interview the, the candidates on the list and reportedly that the interview process will begin next week as well for the Montreal Canadiens. So it means that we're still at least a couple of weeks away before a decision is um, is made. But one thing that stands out to me, Rick, on uh, on this list is, well, we, we knew it based on the criteria that the Canadiens have for, for, uh, for the new general manager that all these candidates... Whoever is chosen from the list of eight, it will be somebody who does not have prior NHL GM experience. So it will be somebody new learning uh, learning on the job besides uh, Jeff Gordon. Yeah. <laughs> and um, hmm, how do we feel about that? Um, it, it's interesting because that kind of situation doesn't crop up with any other uh, franchise, uh, the lack of experience. And I read, this is an English Montreal journalist, I read an article uh, where he was making the case that experience is completely irrelevant, uh, that this GM will learn on the fly and that's okay because he'll be tutored by uh, Jeff Gorton um, and that he he was also making the case that, you know, there's staff to do all of the duties that... Uh, can do all the, the the cap calculations and and provide the information on on uh, scouting and and all those kinds of things. And he was insinuating that the only real requirement for this position in Montreal as general manager was language. He said that everything else can be learned or can be delegated. Um, and 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 it just struck me like. Why is it, how, how about we just flip everything on its head and uh, get an experienced general manager who has all the hockey skills and talent uh, and they can learn or delegate the language? Why, why is it the reverse? It, it just, to me, this seems uh, completely backwards, but, but this is the process that we're left with. Well, maybe that person, the experienced person is Jeff Gordon and delegating the language to the general manager that they're going to name. But <laughs> it's still curious. I'm I'm still very curious on how like, the whole, uh, like the structure, like the decision-making, how is that going to work out? Jeff Molson, he's saying like, no, we still have to figure this out, how that's going to work. But I'm very, very curious on how this is going to, um, is going to end up. Definitely, if, if you look at the list, if it would have been, uh, popularity contest and that would determine who the next general manager would be. I think there's no doubt that probably Patrick Paul would have won the popularity contest. But I th- I think he probably, I doubt it that he has any real chance of getting yeah. that um, like that role with the Canadians. There's, you know, right now he's the head coach and general manager of the Quebec uh, Ramparts in the, in the Quebec Mini Junior Hockey League. But I think at this point, I think a couple of weeks ago when Patrick Wah made his public appearance and said, yeah, like, you know, what do they have to lose if they named me as the, <laughs> as the general manager? I think the only thing that that did is it kind of forced the Canadian's hand to give him an interview. 
and you know, it looks like they will give him an interview, but I don't think it will lead to anything more with between the Canadians and um, and then Patrick Wah for the for that role. I'm not even sure it would work with Patrick Wah not being in control of everything. And and that's what he wanted in in Colorado. Listen, I I loved Patrick Wah the player, and and everybody loves Patrick Wah the player. Respect, um, loved him. Um, but as far as, um, you know, a a manager, a coach, he was a train wreck in Colorado and he demanded control of everything. And, uh, that's just not going to work in this set setup. And it would be even worse in Montreal, the emotional fuel that he would get from this. Um, yeah, I, I don't think, uh, I don't think he's a serious candidate. A couple of other names that that just stick out to me are like if you look at the, the two agents that are on the list, Kent Hughes and uh, Emily Castonguay. Uh, there is some type of relationship with uh, both those individuals with Jeff Gordon, like with uh, Emily Castonguay, she's the agent of um, Alexis Lafreniere, uh, Cedric Paquette of the Canadians as well, is one, one of her clients as well. Um, so there, there, there must have been a, a relationship between Gordon and and uh, Emily when they when they signed that contract for Lafreniere. Probably wasn't a hard negotiation, though. That that being said, <laughs> between between both parties, and you know there is that issue between, like I said, between Hughes as well. So so those might be a couple of out of the name boxes. I think they, that they have a a chance. Of getting it, I, if I would have the truth between those two people, I'd probably give advantage to Emily Castonguay for uh, if it was down between those um, those two uh, names out there. In um, in the other names that stand out, like you know, there's there's Daniel Briere who's been with 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 the Flyers in the role of um, you know he he's running day to day operations of the Mariners in the ECHL. Think his title is Vice President of Operations. You know, running an ECHL team is not the same thing as running an NHL team. It's completely different. Um, Matthew Darsh, as well, is another name. He joined the Lightning in April of 2019 as director of hockey operations. So he's been in that role for, what, uh, two, two and a half years. Then there's the name of Mark Denis, as well. So Mark Denis, more, more now recently, he's known... For the work that he does with uh, with RDS as the play-by-play analyst for the Montreal Canadiens, he he held the role of VP of Hockey Operations for the Chicoutimi Saguenay in the Quebec Junior Hockey League since November 2015, but he left in the November of this year when uh, he was asked to chair a committee to study why the province of Quebec is uh, finding it increasingly difficult to produce hockey players and to recommend solutions. So he works for the government now. Until at least until April, and I don't know for those three names. Like it's hard to pick anybody off that list. So my favorites right now, if I had to pick a favorite from the eight names that I mentioned earlier, I would say it would be Emily Castonguay, Mathieu Darsh, and Mark Denis. If I had to choose three, top three, those who I think are the three that have the, the biggest chance getting the role. It's hard. It's, it is hard. It's really hard. Not one of these candidates 
would be on the short list for any other team in the NHL. It, that's that's just that's just fact. Um, as far as as candidates within the organization uh, who have been approached by other teams. Uh, who other teams have asked permission to talk to uh, for for open GM players, uh, open GM uh, um, uh, positions. Uh, that was Trevor Timmons and Scott Mellenby, um, and those two guys were were went their set. Scott Mellenby left before he was uh, ditched, and and Trevor Timmons was fired. So. Um, there's nobody in the organization and none of the candidates would be, uh, um, would be on the short list for other teams. You know, uh, how do uh, Danny Briere? And yes, it is Danny. Uh, that's what he prefers. I've talked to him. I've uh, interviewed with him number of times. He's been on the, the press zone podcast. Uh, he's known as Danny. His friends call him Danny. All of, of, uh, he, he, the New Jersey Flyers area, they know him as Danny, uh, is with the Maine Mariners. Uh, the Maine Mariners, as you said, are an ECHL team. He, he, he has a number of roles there, VP hockey operations, general manager, president, uh, lots of hats. Um, the, that team, the Maine Mariners, uh, switched affiliations from the New York Rangers to the Boston Bruins this year. Uh, he, he is his part of, he deals with the Boston Bruins organization, but he also holds a position of, of player development, uh, within, uh, the Philadelphia Flyers organization. And, and when you talk to him, his heart is with the Philadelphia Flyers. And I think that someday he will be part of the Philadelphia Flyers organization, um, he has some experience, as you said, uh, ECHL experience is a long way from NHL experience. He has some contacts, obviously, in the NHL. Um, but I, I, this would be a stopping off point for him before he gets the job that he want, wants, which is with the Philadelphia Flyers. Um, Matthew Darsh, um, I guess so. You know, we're trusting the fact that he's been part of this Stan, this back-to-back Stanley Cup uh, championships, but he has very little experience. Um, just two years, uh, appointed May 6th, uh, 2019, as uh, Director of Hockey Ops. Um, he's, he's you know, former Canadian, so he's got that connection. He's He's got a commerce degree from McGill, so he has that connection. But before that, I mean, before his, his current role, he was... Um, you know, a sales rep with, with, uh, Delmar, a freight company. Um, uh, he's not, he's, he's not an assistant GM in, uh, in Tampa. Uh, that's Al Murray, Al Murray, who I know very well and is, is uh, an excellent hockey mind and a terrific talent evaluator, uh, for Tampa Bay. You're not necessarily getting a talent evaluator in Darsh, but, um, you'd be hoping that maybe something has rubbed off, I guess, from Julian Brisebois. Um, and, and um, I, you know, again, um, how about Mark Denis? I mean, wow, he's a broadcaster. Um, do we want, I, I don't see the, the Flyers going out and, and uh, interviewing Brian Boucher or, or Scott Hardnell for their uh, GM position or Darren Pang in St. Louis or 
Jeremy Roenick or Paul Bissonnette in, in Arizona. This is Mark Denis, really. This is this is getting silly. This 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 isn't serious. Um it, it really isn't serious. Any of these people uh, to be worthy of, of holding the reins of such a historic franchise. And I just had such a hard job going through this list. And like I say, I, I can be convinced, I guess, to a Matthew Darsh or a Danny Briere, but, um, you know, it's, you go up to, to, to the door at, at Halloween and, and you're there with your buddies and, and uh, the, 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 Homeowner comes to the door and say, says, uh, who's your favorite NHL team? And they say Toronto Maple Leafs. Oh, come here. Come and get the, come and get the, the candy and the chocolates and, and all. What's your favorite team? Calgary Flames. Oh, here you go. Uh, another bag of chocolate. And, uh, and I say, uh, I'm a fan of the Montreal Canadiens. And they say, okay, pick from this bag here. Pick your favorite out of the broccoli and rutabagas and uh, kohlrabi and uh, like, seriously this is this is this is different than any other team has to go through this is this picking out of the out of the patch that uh you know the small pond whatever you want to call it um i i have faith in jeff gordon i do he's got experience um but as you said what's the structure going to be what are the reporting lines going to be how how much is jeff molson um, going to uh, insert himself, which has been a lot in the past. And are you going to take a chance on a Matthew Darsh who has no more experience than a Mark Bergevin? And we saw that Mark Bergevin struggled for the first six or seven years to learn the position, to learn how to be a GM. Um, it, this is a really difficult uh, winning a Stanley Cup is really difficult, and you need all the best minds pulling together in the same direction. Um, and the more, the better. Um, but to bring on these people with such a minimal level of experience, um, I, 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 I don't know. I, I can't, I can't choose between between the ones that we're presented with. The closest comparable I found to. Uh to a TV person going into an executive role was John Davidson that I, that I was able to figure out when he had went from from analyzing the Rangers Parking games to Canada. president yeah, yeah to, to president of the Rangers uh, no, uh, or did he go to St. Louis first no he went to St. Louis first I think and then he went Columbus anyways but he was the only one I was able to find in, uh, in that type of situation but it's really interesting it's it's regardless of what the name is, it's uh, it will be I think something different, and I'm very curious to see what's gonna what's gonna come out of it. They all all eight candidates are Stefan Quintal that we didn't really talk about at all. We spoke for the league. I'm not even sure like like if I had to choose on the other end like candidates that I think have no chance of getting of getting the role. Uh, I mentioned Patrick Quart earlier. I'd put in Stefan Kital on that list, and I'd put Daniel Sauvage on that list. I think those are the three that I'm more confident that they won't get the GM role. I I, I agree. Might... I agree with you 100. percent And and let me just say, as far as the selection committee, we saw last time it was Serge Savard who was advising uh, Jeff Molson. Um, you kind of know what's going to come out of this, I think. 
uh, seeing the selection committee. Jeff Molson is going to, he's going to decide things. Uh, and he's got Michael Andelauer. Uh, and if you don't know, Michael Andelauer is not only part owner of the Montreal Canadiens, but he's owner of the OHL Hamilton Bulldogs. Uh, the two of them are quite close. Jeff Gordon, we know. Bob Ganey, the Gritty Bob Award. Uh, he's been involved with the team um, and, and, and I trust him, but, but, you know, who's going to have the final say here. And I, I think Jeff Molson, whoever he wants as, as, as the person that he's going to be working directly with, I think Jeff Molson's going to have the biggest say in, in, uh, who is, who is the general manager, the next general manager of the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, I agree. Ultimately they said the GM will report to Jeff Molson. So ultimately he gets the, uh, the final word on it. All right. Anything else to add, Rick, on this topic? Well, uh, we want to hear uh, from you uh, who you think, um, either from this list or, or off the list, who you think uh, the next general manager of the Montreal Canadiens should be and why. And uh, you can reach out to us on social media. You can send us an email at info at allhabs.net or text us on our Rocket Sports text line, and that is 5853-ROCKET. Yeah, and just make sure you remember the criteria that the Canadians are looking for, just to make so you can have a chance of being right on it. All right, so we're going to take a final break here in the Canadians Connection podcast. When we come back, we'll be joined by uh, Michael Spinella and Mike Rachel. They're going to talk about the World Junior Championships and the Canadians uh, prospects. Stay with us. Listen to the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked out hockey cave or fan ink. Well, don't just show your friends, show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag showyourhabs when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to showyourhabs.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net.
All right, welcome back to episode 171 of the Canadian Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. You can follow Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and visit our website at canadiansconnection.com. And uh, joining us now t- to give their insight on uh, the, the prospects from the 2022 World Junior Ice Hockey Championships, here's from Rocket Sports media team, Michael Spinella and Mike Rashel. Thanks, guys. It's Double Mike in the house today. Uh, my name is Michael Spinella, and you are joining me today with uh, Mike Rashel. You can find me on Twitter at the Spinella. And uh, Mike, where can the people find you on Twitter? Also on Twitter as well. It's at MikeHab09. Perfect. So, how are you doing today, Mike? It's uh, nice to have you here on the podcast and hear your voice. Good. Thanks. How are you? Not too bad. Uh, so I'll just give you a second here to introduce yourself and uh, the different things you do uh, with uh, Rocket Sports Media. Sure, sounds good. So I am the original Michael on the team. I'm, I'm just joking. <laughs> um, yeah, so what I've mostly done for Rocket Sports is basically what my passion is, is uh, prospects. Prospects, junior junior age players, and uh, and the Canadians. But uh, yeah, mostly it's been prospect stuff and uh, draft preview. And I've done a couple of World Junior previews as well. And then I do some random Canadians coverage as well, but uh, not nearly not nearly as much as uh, the rest of the members on the team. I mostly focus on uh, draft eligibles. Yep, and this is, uh, I guess, your second or third appearance on this podcast, right? Yeah, I believe so. Awesome. So for this segment, uh, we're going to focus on World Juniors. There were three Habs prospects that uh, we got to see and a few uh, draft eligibles for 2022 Unfortunately, on Wednesday, uh, the news came down that the World Junior Championships are being cancelled. United States, Russia, and Czechia all were forced to to, uh, forfeit games this week due to positive tests from their players, making a total of three games forfeited in the preliminary round, and uh, things were just headed in the wrong direction. But, as I mentioned, we're going to focus mostly on you know Habs prospects and other guys that we enjoyed watching. Most teams got to play two games. And uh, let's uh, start with our uh, favorite Habs guys. And one of my favorites, uh, actually one of my favorite prospects on any team, is uh, Caden Gooley, who uh, captained Team Canada. Two games played, one assist, three shots on goal. What's your analysis on Caden Gooley? Oh, what, an, what an absolute force Gooley is. It's, I mean, we've seen it over the last couple of years in the uh, WHL. But to see him play against uh, top top prospects from from around the world and play the, literally the exact same style, it was uh, it was really great to uh, to see a great comparison. Uh, yeah, just an absolute physical force, and uh, he's he's very very good at moving his feet. He's not necessarily a high end skater, but he's really good at always moving his feet and taking short routes to get to where he needs to go. So it doesn't necessarily stand out that he's not that great of a skater. Um, also, really enjoyed his uh, quick breakout passes. Now I think some of that ha- does have to do with the, the competition he played against. I mean, he didn't. He never really played against a top four, top five team in the world. You know, the two games that they did have weren't necessarily against the highest competition, but I still think his uh, his quick passes really stood out. And then how he was able to turn that attack into a bit of a second wave as well. I really enjoyed to how he was able to get uh, some shots off that weren't necessarily always on the power play and on the point. It was great to see him in uh, regular five-on-five action still get some pucks to the net. Yeah, and a big deal for him being named captain of Team Canada. One of the aspects of his game that stood out to me quite a bit uh, was uh, the physical aspect. Uh, Like you said, uh, maybe he's not the greatest skater, but he's very mobile. And uh, 
I think uh, I, I'd like to see him get a shot uh, on the Canadians team next year. I think he could be a top four uh, D in the NHL. I think it may be a little early. I'd love to see it. it. It'll depend a little bit what direction they're going with the defense core. There's a lot of lot of players ahead of him at the moment. If you look at someone like Norlander, Niku, now it's going to depend on what direction they go in the summer. If they fully clean house, then yeah, I'd love to see him get that chance as well. But I think he may be better suited in Laval for maybe a year or two, really get him to adapt to the uh, pro game. He's already got a bit of a taste of that last season. But again, it was a very uh, a very deep pool that he was behind, so he didn't get in a ton of games. So I would like to see him in the AHL a little bit first. But I mean, if that role is there with the Habs next year and they can actually play him in the top four, 100%, I'd love to see it. Perfect. And uh, moving along to uh, another one of my favorite guys, uh, Jan Mishak. Uh, he was captain of uh, Team Czechia. Played two games, one goal, nine shots. Uh, he's somebody that impressed me quite a bit at uh, Canadians training camp. Uh, what's your thoughts on him? I love his IQ. That's one thing that stood out to me from uh, from his draft year until now. He's he's played in so many on so many different teams over the last couple of years. He adjusted uh, very well to coming over uh, to the OHL. That was the first time he played North American hockey, and he was putting up a point a game in those 15 games that he got in before the first lockdown. And then went back overseas during the uh, during the shutdown here last year. Again, point a game player, basically adjusted to what he was doing before. And then this year came back over, and he's put up 31 points in 25 games with... Uh, with a fairly young Hamilton team, and he's already becoming a leader. So as a as an import player, that's that's incredible to see. So I think his IQ is one thing that's always stood out to me. He's also a phenomenal forechecker and a really good uh, straight line attacker. It's it's funny. It's very similar to Gooley. He's uh, he's a, a decent skater as well. But similar to Gooley, he just takes the easiest route to the net. He doesn't make things too complicated for himself but still using that high IQ to find uh, passing lanes if he needs to. That's what's really stood out to me. And uh, kind of like Gouli, is he somebody that you'd like to see play in Laval for a couple of seasons before he makes a jump to the NHL? I think so, yeah. It's uh, I, I just it's more of a uh, organizational thing at this point, but we've had so many prospects like Mysac that are offensively skilled and ready for the next step, but need a little bit of support. And we haven't really offered that support. So I'd love to see him go to Laval, be paired with a couple of veterans and work his way up that lineup and really prove that he can be a top scorer in that league before he gets pulled up to the Canadians, rather than putting him on the Habs now and burying him in the bottom nine, which we've done oh so many times, unfortunately. <laughs> I'd, I'd love to see him take you know, a bit more of a responsible approach with my sack, but I definitely think he has the ability to play in the NHL within, you know, two to three years. Do you project him as somebody that could play center or do you think he'll end up going on the wing? Um, I think he has a chance to play center, but he may be better suited at wing from oh. what I've seen so far, just because of the straight line attacking. And also as a four check, you're not doing a ton of four checking as a center. Yeah. So I think I'd rather see him on the wing, but when you look at the Canadians' prospect depth at the moment, I think there's more of an opportunity at center. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. And it's nice uh, to have the versatility, though. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we know how uh, Montreal develops their centers. It's not always the best. <laughs> so it's nice <laughs> that uh, there might be an opportunity on the wing, if not at center, at least. <laughs> 
And uh, moving uh, down our list here, uh, to our third and final uh, Habs prospect that uh, played at the World Juniors, uh, Oliver Kapanen. Uh, he was a second-round pick in 2021, played center for Finland, two games played, zero points, but one shot on goal. I'll mention that this was a very, very good Finland team, very skilled. Uh, what were your thoughts on him? Uh, was there anything about his game that uh, stood out to you? Yeah, well said. So he was a little further down the lineup, but a very, very quality pick in the second round. Someone we're going to have to be fairly um, patient with. So he's already playing pro at the moment. So he's playing with uh, Kalpa in uh, La Liga, which is the top men's league in Finland. So when you compare that to Maisak and Guli, they've had a little bit of pro experience with the Rocket, but uh, Kapanen already has... He's going to have a full year before he comes over, if he comes next year. But I have a feeling he's going to be in La Liga for a couple more years. So he's already had a full year where he's gotten 11 games in, two points. So not something that really stands out, but he's learning how to be a pro. So it's going to be a bit of a slower transition. But again, this is somebody that uh, recognizes space uh, very well. And he is a lethal finisher. If you look at some of his junior stats, he's put up very impressive goal totals. But again, that's going to take a little bit of patience for him to to fully adjust. I think it'll take longer than uh, than Mysak and a couple of the other prospects that we're going to cover. Someone will have to be patient with. But the fact he's in Finland allows us to do that because you don't have to sign him right away. Yeah, exactly. And uh, someone you know who's under twenty playing against uh, men in a in a professional league over in Europe that's not an easy thing to do. So it's, uh, it's pretty impressive that he's even there. And uh, the fact that he uh, actually made it on to Finland, who I, of course, mentioned is very skilled up front. That's uh, pretty impressive on its own. So definitely a project uh, for people to keep an eye on, especially those who, uh, I guess, are like us and like to keep an eye on those, I guess, more unknown prospects. For sure, yeah. The level of uh, the level of competition that he's playing is definitely much higher than someone like uh, like Mysak's playing in Hamilton. Like I would imagine, if Kapanen came over, he would easily be a point of game player in the OHL, if not more. Mm-hmm. At, uh, moving along, because that's all uh, the three guys currently in the Habs organization. Uh, we're gonna talk about some guys that could be in the Habs organization by the end of the 2022 draft. Uh, we have some eligible guys and. Uh, First and foremost, um, Team Canada, the guy who's projected to be number one, uh, it's uh, Shane Wright. He's a center. Uh, he was a little bit quiet. Uh, he had one assist in two games. Uh, at times, he didn't really stand out. And it's kind of unfortunate we didn't get to see a full tournament to see you know everything he can do. But uh, I know you had some interesting uh, things to say about him. Yeah, so Shane Wright, for an exceptional player, if you just watch a couple of his games, you would almost think he's a disappointment. Like you said, he was pretty quiet, but playing quiet for him is actually a very good thing because he has such a high um, IQ and he is so, well, same thing twice again, but he's so smart on the ice. He makes quick touches. He doesn't overplay the puck. He's not very fancy with it. He can dangle when he wants to. He can beat guys one-on-one, but if he doesn't need to, he's not going to because he knows it's going to be faster if you can quickly pass it to somebody and then get into a spot where you can take that pass back. So for him, even though like, he was a little bit lower in the lineup as well, he did get uh, first line uh minutes there with Canada but he did start a little bit lower and they moved him up but yeah being quiet for him is actually a compliment um yeah a very uh, responsible two-way defense uh two-way uh forward sorry he's very responsible defensively is what I meant to say uh that's part of the reason as well he doesn't really wow you 
but he still has the offensive upside that he can be a point-of-game player. I mean, he has been his entire OHL career so far, even as a 15-year-old. He's taken on a leadership role in his uh, the last couple of months as a 15-year-old. He was named an assistant captain, which has never happened in CHL history, on a fairly veteran uh, Kingston team at the time. He's not been named captain since then, and you can tell that everything goes through him. I've watched him play uh, once live this year and just a couple of times online. Um, when I went to go see him play live, what I was really curious on is what can he do offensively? I've, I've heard of the defensive side. I've, that's mostly what I've watched because it int- intrigues me a lot for a top prospect. But what can he do offensively? He scored a highlight reel goal where you would have thought Austin Matthews is on the ice taking that shot. It was incredible how fast it came off of his stick. And the Kingston crowd reacted to the goal. They were obviously excited about it. But there wasn't that pop that I was expecting. So I, I figured, you know, maybe most people didn't see it. Maybe in the replay, there'll be a bit more of a reaction. I watched the replay. Not too many people reacted. So it became pretty obvious to me that they're used to this. Like, they expect this from Shane Wright. And it was, it was phenomenal to me that you would think there would be a, a bit more of a reaction, a bit more of a pop in the building when a highlight row shot like that goes in. And there was not much of a reaction. That, that said a lot to me that, you know, in the year and a half he's been there, He's, he's already skilled enough offensively and dominates enough that he's not even exciting the crowd that much anymore when he, he does something to them that seems normal, but to everybody else is highlight reel. So he definitely has a lot of upside uh, still on the offensive side. That that shot was, was unbelievable, and I hope he starts using it a lot more. But the reason he doesn't is because he, he knows it's it's sometimes more effective to, to move it around, and he'd rather score the easy goal than the highlight reel goal, that's for sure. And uh, to throw you a little bit of a curveball here, uh, do you have an NHL comparable for Shane Wright? Uh, it's in. It's a bit of an overused one, but it's hard to get away from Patrice Bergeron. Mm-hmm. You know, a guy that's never really been in the top ten in scoring in the league, but has always been a top five centerman in the league. And another guy that you don't really think of too often when when you ask somebody give me 10 players in the nhl that you want on your team bergeron very rarely comes up but but he should i mean he's yeah. been a cornerstone of that bruins team for 10 12 seasons and i think he's a big part of the reason that guys like marshawn guys like uh, pasternak put up the offensive seasons that they do because they have a guy like bergeron that's doing a lot of the two-way work that's getting in the puck that's putting them in the right areas it allows them to to really uh thrive offensively yeah, that's very well put, and uh, I think Habs fans uh, should be very excited about the draft lottery coming up because that would be an absolute steal for this team. <laughs> I just really hope people are patient with him. That yeah. The worst, the worst thing could be if they, if they put him, if I mean, if they're fortunate enough to get him, it'd be it, it could change the course of the organization. But I really don't want him just throwing in as a first line center ahead of Suzuki and. Just go, okay, here we go. Here, this is, this is your team. Have fun. Like he's not going to put up point of game numbers right away. You can't expect that from him. Mm. They have to be patient with him. They have to slowly develop him. You can put him in the pros right away for sure. You can put him in the NHL right away. You can't expect him to be that 25, 30 minute a game center right off the bat. He's going to take a couple of years. Mm-hmm. So I really hope we're patient with him. Yeah, same. Uh, unlike. Like I probably mentioned this like a thousand times a day, but unlike most other prospects, they draft at the top of the draft. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, the next guy that I think impressed a lot of people, uh, you, you know, he's going to go probably in the top five uh, for Finland, uh, Brad Lambert. Uh, he was fourth in points. He put up five points total, one goal, four assists. He was a plus 
six and he looked very dominant i really get the impression that this guy is for sure a number one center in the nhl at some point uh what's uh your thoughts on brad lambert i've uh, i've loved lambert for a couple of years and i actually think he has more offensive upside than Wright does long term now that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be a more valuable player than him but just pure offensive side of things i think he has the chance to be a top three goal scorer in the nhl at some point I mean, he's so great. His instincts are just phenomenal. He's got great speed to pair with it. And he's also an excellent stick handler. He only has six points at the moment in 24 games in his rookie year in uh, Liga. He's playing on a uh, fairly veteran uh, Yip team. Um, So when he was in uh, juniors, absolutely dominated, had off the charts, some um, offensive numbers. He has dropped a little bit in draft rankings. I've seen, I haven't seen him outside of the top 10, but he's been getting close. I do think by the end of the year, especially after the start in this tournament that he's had, he is going to be a top three pick. Mm-hmm. And uh, another guy for Finland that I know uh, we've had a little bit of hype around him is uh, Joaquin Kamal. Uh, he's right wing. He didn't get any points through two games at the world juniors. And, uh, I think the only highlight I saw him on was a hit to the head by USA's Red Savage. But uh, he's another guy that uh, I think a lot of people are very curious about uh, leading up to the draft. Uh, do you have uh, any insights on uh, Joaquin Kamal? Excellent shot. He's got a really good shot as well. He actually plays on the same team as uh, Lambert on in uh, La Liga and has put up almost three times the points that Lambert has. He has uh, 16 points in 21 games. Um, a lot of that is uh, driven by goal scoring. So I do think he's fortunate. He's put in uh, in a nice position. Um, yeah, really good shot. He's also very creative. He's uh, like almost the opposite of a of a right because he's not very good in his own end. But uh, offensively, he's, he's incredibly creative. Mm-hmm. And uh, next guy on my list here, uh, USA, uh, Logan Cooley. He's a center, one assist in one game. Uh, obviously, we know USA uh, ended up forf- forfeiting their other game in the tournament. Uh, he's someone else that uh, I'm really curious about leading up to the draft. I've heard a lot about him. Uh, what's uh, your thoughts on Logan Cooley? Actually, the Swiss shut them out. we got to make sure we highlight that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, originally, I'm originally from Switzerland, so i, I got to pump their tires whenever I can. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, is a very strong two-way forward. Um, he's on a uh, not that great of a USNDP program, actually, if you compare it to recent years where they've put up record numbers. He's on more of an average team, but he has 30 points already in 20 games, which is pretty impressive for a, for a guy that's considered to be more of a two-way forward than an offensive, uh, an offensive dynamo. Um, he's already committed to uh, Notre Dame. So he probably will be a few years away from uh, from going pro. So that may have him drop a little bit in the draft rankings. I can still see him in the top ten, but uh, it's a player that would definitely need again a little bit more a uh, little bit more patience. But uh, yeah, being a strong two way forward and in the top ten uh, is always a nice uh, a nice compliment to your uh, your overall game. Mm-hmm. And. Uh... I think I strategically put in a lot of forwards and centers throughout that crew. So uh, just looking at what the Habs probably could use uh, in terms of talent on the roster uh, coming out of this draft. And uh, I think there's a number of players that uh, I'm really excited about. Uh, looking at uh, some... Yeah, non- same here. Uh, oh, no, sorry. I, it's a strategic... So it's strategic from your end. I understand that for sure. Um, but I, I, it makes sense with how deep they are. 
the way they've drafted the last couple of years, some of the guys they've kind of backed their way into, I don't really think they were had Gooley that high on their list. Mm-hmm. He was just the next available, and they were smart enough to take the, the next best available. But a lot of them have, have worked out so far, and there is a, a lot of kind of mid-tier defensemen that are in that uh, in that group. So it, I think it definitely makes sense to, to draft uh, more offensive, especially if it's going to be a top-five pick. Yeah, exactly. And just looking at, uh, I guess, mid-season rankings of the draft, I think this is going to be a very good draft for forwards overall. Definitely. Yeah, if, if they can find a way to get a top five pick, I don't think they're going to be upset with, honestly, any of the guys we've mentioned. I think Lambert would be my number one, honestly. Mm-hmm. On that, uh, it's, it's hard between Lambert and Wright. I'd still, still love to see Wright, but I think uh, Lambert may have a chance to be drafted over Wright. Just because of how much more he could show, only having six points in twenty-four games, so we'll be really curious to see what he does once he gets back from a from a pretty impressive uh, couple of games. Yeah, at exactly. the World Juniors, he certainly. Uh, I guess he's got a little bit more flash to his game, if that's fair. Definitely, and I also think we ha- already have kind of the two-way guys that we could pair with him. I'd love to see uh, Lambert online with Suzuki, for example. I mean, he could he could just flourish, knowing that Suzuki kind of has his back. Whereas Wright would almost have to have his own line, which would maybe push Suzuki down. I don't know if the organization will want that. Mm-hmm. Pretty pretty good problem to have, regardless, and something you know that's more than three, four, five years away. If we're even fortunate to have that conversation, but uh, yeah, Lambert and Suzuki could could be uh, a dream come true for sure. Yeah, exactly. But uh, I'll uh, move on along here to a couple of uh, non-draft eligible guys that uh, I think really impressed us throughout uh, the World Juniors. Uh, I think first and foremost, uh, you have to go with Connor Bedard. Uh, he's not going to be eligible until uh, 2023, so circle the calendar. Uh, four goals, five points in two games. Uh, all four goals came in one game against Austria. And he broke uh, Wayne Gretzky's record for youngest player to score four goals in a single World Juniors game. Um, what's uh, your thoughts on Connor Bedard? And uh, yeah, it, it felt like we were watching him grow up. I mean, it was two games in three days, and it felt like he grew from like a twelve-year-old to like an eighteen-year-old. It was it was crazy. The first couple of shifts, he looked you know a little bit nervous out there. He over overplayed the puck a couple of times. Just not not how he usually plays. He's usually very very clean and efficient. Um, but yeah, as soon as they moved him up the lineup a little bit, it was insane how quickly he got comfortable and how quickly he, he got confident in his game as a, as a 16 year old in a tournament that's usually dominated by 18, 19 year olds. It was, it was amazing to see. I also really liked his, uh, his quiet confidence and how he didn't get overly excited. I mean, it was, it was a blowout game that he was getting his goals in. Right. Mm -hmm. And the first, uh, the first two goals, you know, you could say were somewhat important to the end result. You know, they definitely needed them to, to pat the, uh, the lead enough they had to score more than Finland did, basically, just in case it came down to a tie break. And they did that pretty quickly in the by the middle of the second period. I think they had their seven goals. So when he scored his last two, they technically didn't really matter. And you could you could tell, like for him, it obviously meant a lot. But he never really raised his hands too much. He never tried. You could tell he was trying not to break a smile, but he still wanted to smile. He always recognized his teammates after, even though a lot of it was hundred percent on him. So I really enjoyed that kind of quiet confidence. And the, the composure, too, as a 16-year-old, like, I, I couldn't imagine myself in that. See, I'd be losing my mind if I was scoring a goal. <laughs> yeah, so I thought that was great to see. Yeah, exactly. And uh, like you said, he's only 16 years old. Uh, he, and I'll uh, mention that uh, he's not been alive for a single Toronto Maple Leafs playoff victory. I'm 
going to mention that for no reason other than uh, I had my uh, colleague uh, Maria on this podcast a few weeks ago, who is a Leafs fan, so I just felt the need to point that out. That's well done. <laughs> and uh, another guy, uh, Owen Power, uh, first overall pick last year by Buffalo. I felt like there were, there were a lot of people saying that Owen Power, even though he's you know the first overall guy last year, he might not even be like close to being the best player coming out of that draft. But uh, I've been very impressed with him. He scored a hat-trick in game one, uh, first Canadian defenseman to score three goals in a game and uh, five points overall. Uh, what, uh, what's your analysis on Owen Power? It was interesting. He actually looked really shaky the first uh, 10 minutes or so. I think he was on the ice for almost half of it, every other shift. He looked very, very shaky as uh, as they kind of gave up the lead to uh, to Czechia there, being down 2 nothing. But as soon as that timeout was called and he was put right back on the ice, it was almost a completely different player. You could tell he got, he got very, very comfortable and he just played uh, played his, uh, his game, which is a very simple game, but very, very effective. I was a little disappointed last year when he decided not to go. I mean, he said it's school reasons, which is, is hard to uh, to argue against. But at the time being, you know, a uh, a uh, sophomore at university where he was, you know, obviously not finishing it. I mean, he could see that early on that he was going to be a pro hockey player. Uh, it was a little disappointing to see at the time. But anyways, it was great to see him in this tournament. And you could, he definitely, if he needed to, he definitely solidified himself as as that number one prospect. And I'm, I'm excited to see him, see him in the NHL and, I can't believe they're going to be able to pair him with another first overall uh, pick on D. I don't know if that's honestly ever happened before. Yeah, I know. That's a good point uh, with uh, Rasmus Dahlin. Uh, but yeah, that would be an absolute stud of a D pairing if that ever happens. That, that's got to be a first, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think in three, was it in three years, they have two first overall picks and they're both defensemen. <laughs> that's <Yeah>. crazy. <laughs> But, uh, I guess we'll, we'll just have to we'll just have to attack with offense when we uh, when we play them in a couple of years. Yeah, exactly. I'm I'm always a fan of a team building off of defense. So uh, if Buffalo ever you know gets themselves out of a hole, uh, they could have a very exciting team. For sure, they're going in the right direction. They just you just got to be patient. Mm-hmm. Uh, was there any uh, goalie standout to you in the World Juniors? Um, I don't think we've had a chance to talk goalies. I was so excited to see Kosa. It was disappointing he wasn't able to get his game in. I'm, I'm pretty sure he would have started against uh, Germany, and I'm also fairly sure he would have taken over the starting role. Mm-hmm. I was a little disappointed with the other two starters that Canada put out there. I didn't think they played that composed. Um, so I was a little disappointed I couldn't see Kosa, but uh, Wallstead for Sweden was phenomenal. Like He might be the best goalie outside of the NHL right now. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I was surprised that uh, he fell a little bit in last year's draft. Uh, but uh, I, out of the two games played so far, or I guess by the end of these World Juniors, uh, he ends up being the top goalie. Uh, one of the guys that uh, I liked quite a bit, I know he only got into one game, but uh, Finland goalie uh, Levi Marilainen, I know you had a chance to see him live. Uh, he's an Ottawa prospect, but uh, he's to me, he's a very fun goaltender to watch. Uh, did you have a chance to check him out uh, against or play for Finland? I did. I did see him live as well and actually have a uh, short piece coming out on not just him, but a few of the players I saw. I think it's coming out on Sunday, I believe. Um, yeah, he's a very, very fun player, very passionate. He's very active in net, which is interesting to see because a, lo- a lot of goalies uh, nowadays are kind of aim to be more composed, like a Carey Price style, but it works for him. He's not necessarily overplaying the net too much, but he's just incredibly active. And for a goalie that's already fairly tall, I believe he's 
six three, six four already. Mm -hmm. um, for a goalie of his size to, to be active, you know, if, if it works for him, it, it has so far definitely. Um, his puck handling is probably the only thing that's uh, that's his biggest uh, weakness at the moment. He, you can tell he's not very uh, not very confident coming out of his net. But he doesn't necessarily need to be either. I think he's overthinking that too much. I, I saw him leave the net, I think, three or four times in the one game I saw him playing Kingston Live. And yeah, a couple of those times he really didn't even need to. So you can tell he's definitely working on it because he's thinking about it, which is which is good to see. But yeah, very uh, very active, but st but still composed in his own way. He's he's pretty good laterally and gives up zero rebounds as well. That that really impressed me. Mm -hmm. Sweet. Well, I think that's uh, pretty much uh, all my thoughts on the World Juniors. Did you have uh, any final words? Yeah, you know, it's disappointing to see to see it uh, obviously cancel yesterday. We we all understand the bigger picture, and it is at the end of the day uh, just a hockey tournament, and we do need to look at you know what's best for uh, for the for the players health wise, and for you know the rest of Edmonton, the rest of Canada. But uh, I, I just feel so much for those. Uh, for not necessarily the uh, the top three four teams. I mean the Canada, Russia, Sweden, Finland. Those uh, those players are going to get more of an opportunity to play pro, and a lot of them are already fairly established as top prospects. I feel for some of those other countries, for some for the ones that uh, like the the Germanys and the uh, the Austria. You know, some of the some of the lower guys in the lineup. This this could potentially be the highlight of their hockey lives. And to have that cut short, it's uh, I, I feel for them. It's definitely it's disappointing, but I understand the bigger picture as well. Yeah, very well put. Uh, it is disappointing, but uh, at the end of the day, health comes first. And uh, Mike, it's been uh, good to chat with you. It's uh, nice that we have a nice team, Mike, going on. Maybe we'll have to recruit some more for Rocket Sports. Sounds good. I'm all up for it. Awesome. The well, first first two are working out pretty well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you very much, and uh, it was nice to have you on the show. Thanks, buddy. Take care. All right. Thank you very much, guys. A great discussion there on the, the different prospects in the, that tournament. Like we mentioned, segment one, it was it was canceled, at least for now. It's a, It was quite an unfortunate situation, but um, I felt that they had no choice to do that. All right. Let's move on now and talk about some what's coming up in the upcoming week. Well, coming up on Monday, like every Monday on allhabs.net, you'll find the Habs notepad written by uh, myself. And then during the week, uh, every day, there'll be their game day preview, recap, Habs headline. There's always, always content on allhabs.net. And including, Rick, the Habs fan forum with, uh, with Ben. That's right. Uh, ben is uh, gets quite energized in if you've seen his uh, Habs fan forum on YouTube. And this week, um, he's asking the Canadians, show us some energy. And um, he, he wants to be entertained. He wants to see the young players uh, showing some energy. And, and uh, to find his uh, uh, videos, you go to youtube.com uh, slash allhabs. And you can watch this week's, you can watch all the past weeks, and be sure while you're there to subscribe to our All Habs channel on YouTube. And also depending on when you're listening to us, so maybe I should say it will be published on Sunday or it was published on Sunday, but Rick, do you want to tell us about uh, a, an article that, that's being prepared by uh, Mike Rashel? Well, you've just heard Mike Raschel uh, and uh, with Michael Spinella, both follow uh, junior hockey and prospects. Uh, Mike uh, has been doing that for a number of years and actually had uh, season tickets with 
uh, one of the OHL teams. So this week, um, in in his uh, OHL scouting review, he looks uh, he attended a number of games in the last uh, in December. Saw Shane Wright and and uh, and and some of the other prospects. Uh, so he's going to be giving you uh, in in his uh, OHL scouting uh, uh, report uh, uh, just an update on some of of the OHL prospects that will be eligible for the uh, 2022 NHL entry draft, um, and and because the Canadians uh, are uh, where they are, that that fan excitement is not necessarily around the games right now, but what is going to be. And so you want to get uh, uh, infor- as informed as you can. And uh, Mike's going to be putting out these articles every now and again uh, about his, uh, his scouting reports, and you're, you're not going to want to miss that. So go to allhabs.net uh, to look for uh, scouting the, the OHL. And also don't forget to subscribe to the Prezone podcast published uh, every uh, Tuesday. So go to your favorite podcast app and subscribe to Prezone with uh, Amy Johnson and Rick Stevens. And there's one game, at least as of right now, there's still one game. There's only one game for the Canadians in the upcoming week, and it's actually on New Year's Day when the Canadians visit the Florida Panthers, a afternoon game, 1 p.m. Eastern puck drop in uh, Florida. And and Rick, I'm just looking at the lines here from uh, from the practice on uh, from Friday from Friday, and if you look at the forward group, Joanne Suzuki Ilonen on line one, uh, RHP Paling Cofield on line two, Videmo Evans Belzil line three, Pizetta Paquette and Camillus on the fourth line, and the thing that comes to my mind is I could pay twenty bucks and I'm watching the, the same team playing in Laval at Place Bell. Well, <laughs> it's, it's I, actually. That's absolutely to, right. To set the Delaware Rocket. Besides the the Joanne Suzuki up there and the on the first line, the rest of them is you know it's essentially the Delaware Rocket. And you look there, at, so. at uh, the bottom end. You you have um, uh, Clegg, uh, Niku, Schooneman, um, Montembeau, and Net. Uh, you, you know any of those players could be uh, find themselves in the AHL. So fans are asking, um, you know, uh, about. Why should I be paying premium prices for this? Uh, you know, m- m- players are asking, w- what's the competition level here? Reporters are asking about the the integrity of the game. So this is going to be something that's going to stay on the burner uh, for this coming week. And I'm sure we'll be talking about it again next week on the Canadians Connection. Yeah, in the next week's episode, we're back on the regular Saturday schedule. So the next episode will be scheduled on Saturday, January 8th. So, Rick, it was a pleasure being with you this week. And, you know, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you too, Chris. Thanks for being in the host chair. And we say Happy New Year to every one of our listeners, our subscribers, all those of you who go to allhabs.net. We we couldn't do this without you. We really appreciate you and we look forward uh, to to uh, being with you all through 2022. And, and you could make sure not to miss any episodes by subscribing to the Canadians Connection podcast on any of your favorite podcast apps and share us on your respective social media platforms. So my name is Chris G. You can follow me on Twitter at ChrisHabs360. Thank you for listening. Happy New Year once again. And we'll talk again next week on the Canadians Connection podcast on the Rocket Sports Radio. 
Click subscribe so you never miss an episode of Canadians Connection. Visit allhabs.net for breaking news about the Montreal Canadiens.